You talking about football? Yeah, football. NFC North. Let's talk football. Welcome back, everybody. This is Headed North, NFC North podcast, and I am your host, Detron. Week three is almost in the books. I am recording on Monday, and so all of the NFC North games have locked up. And boy, it was an interesting week. We've still got two teams in the North that haven't got a win yet. We got two teams looking ahead to a clash on this Thursday where they're going to figure out who's the current king of the North. I'm going to touch on recaps for each and every game. We're going to talk some storylines and we're going to talk about who's coming up next week in week four. But before that, let's pitch it over to our sponsor. Our sponsor this week is OffRackShop.com. OffRackShop.com is an online thrift store. They have men's and women's clothing, shoes, accessories, and more. Usually about 300 items to choose from. So if you haven't already, check out our description for 15% off your next purchase at OffRackShop.com. Getting us kicked off this week, we're going to start with the Green Bay Packers. It was the home opener for the Green Bay Packers. First home opener without Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre in like, I don't know, a century. And so Jordan Love is leading the Green Bay Packers versus the New Orleans Saints. And let me tell you something, through three quarters, the Green Bay Packers were out there stinking it up. They did not look good at all. A.J. Dillon for a third week in the row was plain, unexciting, unproductive, He's all of the uns. All of that stuff could describe A.J. Dillon and his opportunity to be a lead back. You can clearly see he's not ready for the spotlight. And through three quarters, Jordan Love had only thrown 87 yards. It was bad. New Orleans was leading 17-0. And then, unfortunately, well, unfortunately for some, Derek Carr got hurt. He ends up on the ground with a shoulder injury about halfway through the third quarter, and it was almost like a light switch flipped on, and Jordan Love remembered like, hey, I'm a starting quarterback too, and I came to play, and that's exactly what happened. The fourth quarter, they were able to run off 18 unanswered points, 18 unanswered points after Jameis Winston came in to fill in for Derek Carr after the injury. Jordan Love woke up. He ended up finishing with 22 out of 44 passing attempts, put up uh, 256 uh, yards, a touchdown, and a pick. And Jordan Love had been the league leader in QBR through the first two weeks, but not after this week. His QBR was a 66, 66 and a half if you like that half point. So he's coming back down to reality. But the most important part of all of this is that they won. And that trumps all of the stats that go along with it. They got the W. But I do want to point out something that I think is really important and played a significant role in their ability to win. And that's going to be Matt LaFleur's decision to go for two after their first score. So here's the scene. Green Bay is down 17. They get a field goal. Now they're down 14. They get the ball. They score. And instead of kicking the field goal and going down seven, They go for the two-point conversion, throwing conventional wisdom out of the window because at that point, if you kick the field goal, you're just trying to go for overtime? Well, I don't know. If you miss on the two-point conversion, what you get is another shot at a two-point conversion. You're still down only one score. You're down eight points if you miss on that two-point conversion. But if you score, 
Now a touchdown and a field goal wins you the game. And that's exactly how it played out. They were able to score the two-point conversion. They go down, and they're only down six at this point. They come down, they score again, kick the field goal, win the game by one point. It was a great call on LaFleur's part. And I don't know if the analytics say that he should have did it, but, I mean, odds were certainly in his favor. If you miss the two-point conversion, you'll get another shot at it if you can score again. Was it luck or was it love? It's hard to say. I mean, he did have to come out and finish out that game. That fourth quarter drive was something he could not do against Atlanta to win the week before. So you can definitely see there's some progression there. But was it because Derek Carr was out? Just like Jordan Love, the rest of the team stat line weren't very impressive. Luke Musgrave led the team in receptions, but he only netted about 50 yards. I think Dobbs got a late score, uh, but he ended up with less than 75 yards on the day. And that was really, really it. That Those are the players for the Green Bay Packers. They didn't give up in that fourth quarter, even though they were facing a three-score game. But the fact that they lost Derek Carr on the other side of the ball kind of helps. So now Green Bay is 2-1, and one, and they are heading into a Thursday night football matchup against the Detroit Lions. And speaking of the Detroit Lions, that's who we're going to touch on next. But before I talk about the Detroit Lions, let me clarify something I said last week. So if you listened to the show, hopefully you did. But if you didn't, I announced Atlanta's kicker as Young Ho Koo. And that's not right. I actually had a listener reach out to me and let me know that I was pronouncing that kicker's name wrong. And not only did I pronounce it wrong, I like doubled down on it. I said it twice incorrectly. His name is actually Young Way Koo. But... I didn't know that. I was just reading phonetically. So this is what you got. So this is my uh, correction to the record. My bad, young way. Uh, I hope you listen to the show. All right, cool. Now we're going to get into the Lions. Look, my Lions look like they should look when they are the better team. And this week, they were the better team. The Lions came out and Riley Patterson was accurate hitting multiple kicks. Uh, rookie Sam Laporta got in on the action with a 45-yard strike from Jared Goff for a touchdown. He was the only one who got in for a touchdown. But Jared, I mean, only passing touchdown, that is. Jared Goff also found himself in the end zone, a little four-yard scamper. You don't really think about Jared Goff as a running quarterback, and he's not. Hopefully, he never has to do that. But in this case, definitely worked out to get the touchdown. Lions end up taking a 20-6 win against Atlanta. Probably the best part about this game, though, was Detroit's defense. They didn't give up a single touchdown. They gave up two field goals, and the defense was really playing. There were six sacks in this game, including two by Hutch. There was a fumble recovery, and between Jerry Jacobs and... And the rookie Brian Branch out of Alabama, they combined for 18 separate tackles. 18. The defense was humming. And then if you look on the offensive side of the ball, of the two rookie running backs that came into this week's game, Jameer Gibbs was the better running back, or at least he had the better performance. He ended up with 17 rushing attempts. And while he didn't crack 100 yards or get in the end zone, he definitely had more yards on the ground than his counterpart, Bijan Robinson. Also, who didn't get in the end zone, but did a pretty good job, Amon Rod St. Brown. He ended up with just over 100 yards, like 102. Uh, didn't get in the end zone, but again, was definitely productive in the air for the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions just had an overall 
solid game. They came out and even though Jared Goff threw an interception in this game, again, you know, following last week's interception, uh, they still did not look like they were ever in crisis. And that is refreshing as a Detroit Lions fan. I'm here for that. Now I can talk about them and the Green Bay Packers. This is going to be the battle of who's going to take the lead in the North. Both teams are two and one. The counterparts in this division are both struggling mightily. So whoever comes out of this Thursday night football game with the win, is going to have a clear advantage toward winning the division and getting off to a very good start at the beginning of this season. Well, next up is the Chicago Bears. And it's bad when the most important thing about your football game is the fact that T-Swizzle is in attendance. Taylor Swift ruled the headlines for this Kansas City-Chicago game because the game was pretty well handled pretty early in the game. The Kansas City Chiefs ran away with this one and gave the Chicago Bears a good old-fashioned thumping. And if I can rewind for just a bit, the Chicago Bears have had a pretty rough week. Let me run down some things for you. The Bears lost their defensive coordinator. He didn't just not show up to work. He resigned. He said, I probably got some stuff going on. I can't do this anymore. And thanked everybody for the opportunity that he had. But no more defensive coordinator. Then they get six figures worth of stuff stolen from their team facility. I don't know about you. I would just assume that a major league football team would have security more than just some security gates. And apparently, these individuals had enough insight to be able to get six figures worth of stuff from the Chicago Bears. Stolen. Where? What are you going to do with that stuff, by the way? Who knows? All right, so you've got a defensive coordinator who says, I don't want to do this anymore. You get six figures worth of equipment stolen from your facility. DJ Moore gets caught on a hot mic agreeing with a player who says that the Chicago Bears aren't using him the right way, which honestly, there's no lies to be had there. DJ Moore's right. They're not using him the right way. I think that's pretty clear for everyone to see, but it doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence in the people who, whose job it is to use you the right way. And then on top of that, Justin Fields spent most of his media time this week uh, dodging accountability like defensive ends. Uh, Justin Fields wants to believe that it's a whole lot of people's fault, but one of those people are not him. And I don't know if you agree or not, but based on the performance from this week, it's hard to make that case, Justin. He was 11 for 22. He threw for less than 100 yards. He was the leading rusher on the team with 43 yards, and they scored one touchdown. Now, if that play doesn't start at the quarterback position... I don't know where it starts at. I guess you could say maybe the offensive line because he didn't have a whole lot of time to do his job, but he also didn't do his job very well. Oh, and did I also mention that the Chicago Bears didn't get their first receiving touchdown until about four minutes left in this week's game? And by that point, the Kansas City Chiefs had already went to the end zone five times and were up by 41 points. This was just an old-fashioned beatdown. The way I felt about Chicago's rebuild has totally been eroded by the way they have played. Sure, their defense has gotten better, but what does it matter? If your offense isn't going to score any points, they're not going to move the ball, they're going to keep you on the field all day, that's not helpful. 
The Chicago Bears might be in this thing for the Caleb draft. They got an opportunity to win some games in these next couple games that they got coming up. So they're going to be facing the 0-3 Broncos this upcoming week. They got the 2-1 Commanders. And they've got who are currently the 0-3 Minnesota Vikings. So they are staring down the barrel of some relief. They could get some wins in this stretch. But if they don't, boy oh boy, it is going to be a dark couple of weeks in Chicago Bears football. And I know last year was tough. This year is shaping up to be tough. But there's still time to turn it around. We're only three games into the season. They can put it together. But do you believe? I mean, with a QBR of 55 and a half, I got a hard time putting on my believer's cap for another week. And last this week, we're going to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. And the Minnesota Vikings took on the LA Chargers. This could possibly be the most exciting winless offensive game or matchup that you might see all season. You're talking about two teams who can absolutely air the ball out. Both of those teams play like no defense. (laughs) And so, as you can imagine, this game was semi-high scoring. There were lots of yards. I mean, the losing quarterback still put up 360 yards. And the winning quarterback put up 405 yards in the air. Also helps or hurts, however you want to look at it, that the winning team has like zero run game. With Austin Eckler out, Kelly has not been productive. He's been he's been given the same performance as A.J. Dillon. You can now see the difference between starting running backs and their backups. There is a clear separation, at least for those two franchises, in what you get from your backup versus what you get out of that starting running back. Man, It was rough, but in this game, there was a lot of really good performances. Justin Jefferson, another seven reception night, almost another 150 yards. I think he put up 149 on the day. And on the other side of the ball, my goodness, Keenan Allen, who needs a run game when you can throw him the ball 20 times and he catches it 18 times and puts up like 215 yards, 215 yards by just one player And that one player did not score. Keenan Allen didn't have a single touchdown. Mike Williams did, though. And Mike Williams put up another 125 yards. And DJ Parham only caught two passes, but both of them were for touchdowns. It was an air-it-out show there in Minnesota with them and the Chargers. And you knew that it was going to be an air-it-out performance because both of those defenses have struggled But Minnesota still had a chance to win that game. What has happened in the first two weeks still happened in this week with Minnesota with ball security. Hawkinson caught a pass and then fumbled and lost it. And Kirk Cousins got sacked four times and he threw an interception. An interception that quite possibly could have been avoided because the Minnesota Vikings still had an opportunity to win this game. With the game on the line, down, what, four points, they get down to the nine-yard line with about 35 seconds left on the clock. And for whatever reason, the team was taking their sweet and patient time getting to the line and running a play. They went from 35 seconds down to about seven seconds, only running one play. And that one play resulted in an interception. So there's a lot to break down here, 
But first, let's say the coaches failed Kirk by not calling into him to tell him to clock the ball. Kirk Cousins, being the professional that he is, veteran quarterback, failed because he did not clock the ball. And all of the players on the offense who didn't get up and get set because of game and situational awareness failed themselves. There's no reason that they should only got one playoff during this 35 seconds. 35 seconds, you could easily get three plays off. Three quick slants to get you seven seconds of play. There's no reason for this. And again, to sort of to try to jam a pass in there, of course it got deflected and they got the interception on the deflection, but you're right there at the end zone. Clock the ball, give give your guys a shot. Worst case scenario, if you're going to go for a quick passing play without clocking the ball, at least throw it at JJ. Give yourself an opportunity, right? You're going to throw it in a jammed up middle section where a batted ball is oftentimes intercepted instead of getting it out to the sidelines or a quick out or a quick slant. I feel frustrated for Vikings fans. If you guys aren't frustrated, you should be. Because after the end performance that they provided, 0-3 feels even worse because you had a chance to be 1-2, which ain't much better, but it's something. I hope the best for Minnesota in week four, but 0-3 is a tough way to start. Told you the script writes itself. If you knew anything about last year, you probably saw this coming. One-score games have been killing the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, we were so close this week with the predictions from Matt and spread in the field. So we're going to kick it back to him, and hopefully we can go four for four this week. Matt, tell us what you got. This is Matt, your resident Vikings fan, and this is spreading the field. Now, before we jump into the week four games, let's take a quick look back at those week three results and see how we did. We actually had a pretty good week, three and four, 75% against the spread this week. But what hurts the most, spoiler alert, if you didn't listen to the podcast last week, I told you take the Vikings plus one against the Chargers at home. And man, the Vikings just threw this game away. So the game that cost us the parlay, unfortunately, my team, the Vikings, Detron, I know you were right there with me on the parlay. On behalf of me for the Minnesota Vikings, we apologize as we watch the game slip away with our parlays and time slowly ticking away. No excuse. I have no idea what they were thinking at the end of the game. Should have been a Vikings win, but it's not. So we'll take the L. And hopefully they can make it up to us later this year. For the games we get right, though, we said take the Lions minus four against the Falcons. Thought the Lions were going to come take care of business. Really show that they're a dangerous threat this year. They come out, they win a strong game, 20 to six against the Falcons. The second game, Saints plus two against the Packers was the pick. And if you remember, I was betting on Derek Carr over Jordan Love. That looked like a really solid bet going into the fourth quarter, 17 nothing. Car goes down, Packers come back. They win the game 18-17, but the Saints cover the spread at the plus two. So the Saints haven't done a lot for me in my life as a Vikings fan, but you know, cover the spread for me here. So thank you, New Orleans, for that. And then in our lock of the week, we said take the Chiefs minus 13 over the Bears. This was an easy lock. The Chiefs haven't had that dominant Chiefs win. The Bears have struggled this year. Chiefs easily cover this 13-point spread winning 41 to 10. Now that puts them at 3 and 0 in the last two seasons when they're double digit favorites. 
So we'll keep an eye on that trend as the Chiefs come back into the NFC North over the weeks, see what their uh, point spread is, and see if that's a trend we need to keep an eye on as they play other teams. With those results, though, that puts us at 62.5% on the year. Not too bad. Over 500 here, and we keep trying to push that forward. This week, we've got three games. We've got the Lions and Packers head-to-head on Thursday night football. But we're going to throw that game to the side for now because that's going to be our lock of the week at the end. So let's jump into our first game here. Broncos, Bears. Bears are plus three at home. Uh, this game was a toss one or a tough one to call because Bears look bad. They give up 41 points. But the Broncos look worse. They give up 70 points against the Dolphins on Sunday. And I went back and forth on this one. I was trying to figure out if there's a way that both teams can lose this game. But what I come back to is the Bears, they're home underdogs, they're getting three points, and I think Justin Fields carries the Bears to a victory in this game, but I don't think he does it in the air. I think he goes back to his roots. I think he runs for 100-plus yards this game, uses his legs, gets the uh, first win of the year for the Bears. Give me the Bears, plus three at home, take the home underdogs in that game. Our second game, we've got my Vikings, minus three and a half, on the road in Carolina, and this is the Thielen revenge game. Now, this spread makes me super nervous as a Vikings fan. If you watched us for the last couple of seasons, we don't blow people out. We we beat Green Bay by a decent amount week one last year. But besides that, we either get blown out or we win or lose a close game. So this three and a half makes me nervous because I can completely see this game coming down to a field goal or some grinded out battle that the Vikings had with the Panthers especially with the ball control issues. But with that being said, I think with the threat of going 0-4, I think the Vikings superstars really come out, have a big week in Carolina. I think we spoil the Thielen revenge game, get the win by at least a touchdown. Give me the Vikings on the road, minus three and a half. And then for our last game of the week, the lock of the week, we've got the Lions minus one against the Packers in Lambeau. Packers are home underdogs. And you know the home underdogs are good value. Plus one, the Lions are not used to being in this position. They're not used to being first in the division. They're not used to these environments coming into Lambeau where, you know, this is on the line. Lambeau is a tough place to play. But with that being said, I think you hammer the Lions at minus one here. I am shocked that after the first three games of the season – the Lions are only getting one point that they have to cover in this game. I think the Lions win by easily 10 points in Lambeau. Maybe the Packers get a garbage time score at the end to bring this a little closer, but Lions cover this game easily. Hammer the Lions minus one before this changes and you have to cover more points here. But the Lions in Lambeau, pick of the week, lock of the week, minus one. Detron. Thanks again for having me on. Until next week, Skull. All right, thanks again, Matt, for those picks for spreading the field. Hopefully you guys get those picks in soon so you can take advantage of those lines today. And that's our show. As always, I appreciate you showing up for the show. And if you decide to come back, which I hope you do, make sure you got your bags packed because we are headed north. I'm Detron. Peace. You talking about football? Yeah, football. NFC. North. Let's talk football.